Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, on the line today, uh, we have, uh, I suppose, my mentor uh, as such, and I'm, I'm sure we'll give that a brief mention a little bit later on, uh, but we have one Mr. Michael Sheridan. So folks, if, if you've ever listened to Matt Cooper, if you've ever looked at RTE, if you ever remember uh, motoring TV back in the good old days on RTE and uh, RTE.ie, and then of course the brilliant motor hub and much, much more, Michael Sheridan is the guy behind all of this stuff. Um, but as well as that, he's also producer, director, musician, uh, Bull Island legend, um, and everything else like that. But Michael would be, uh, not just in my opinion, but this is fact, he would be among one of the most, um, I suppose, trusted names in motoring journalism, uh, certainly in Ireland. Um, and I'm sure his range goes a lot further than that. Okay, Michael, intro's done. And ladies and gentlemen, by the way, you are listening to Drive Talking. Thanks to the two of you who tuned in last week, um, as I requested. Three, three. I tuned in. Oh, awesome. Okay, thank you to the three of you who tuned in to the last show with with, uh, Mr. Neil Briscoe. Neil Uh, is a legend. Um, I, I was having a look at the statistics and the analytics for the show the other day. Uh, apparently, we have we have a good reach. Um, but not only that, we managed to keep people on on average for forty two minutes, which is not bad going, Michael. Okay, but let's 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 destroy that good reputation you've built up already. Oh man, we're going to completely <laughs> destroy that. L- listen, and, and then the other thing as well, folks. I have to tell you that uh, Michael Sheridan, probably unbeknownst to himself at the time, uh, was my mentor, still is my mentor to a certain degree and actually the first director I ever worked with on cars full stop was Mr. Michael Sheridan. And Michael, I have to tell you, you and Tony Toner, uh, and once again, folks, Tony Toner, another legend of Irish motor journalism, uh, but not on that bike buyer's guide. And I know Michael will have a few things to say about bikes a little bit later on. Both of you guys really kind of steered me throughout my uh, my 10 to 16 years of motor, motoring, writing, and videoing, and podcasting, and everything else that came with it. But anyhow, that aside, Michael, right? So you used to have this great show on RTE called Drive. Yeah, Dr- God, yeah Drive was great fun. Um, and again, uh, Neil Briscoe worked on Drive and a uh, good load of people. Carl Sigdunas um, was the series producer on it. It was in the the late 90s, I think, up to that point. Um, I was sort of producing the motoring sections of afternoon TV on RTE. And uh, then the offer came along to... Uh, present or be one of the presenters on Drive and um, as with a lot of independent productions that uh, our team would do back back then budgets were tight uh, but the willingness was strong among people to to get involved. The Irish market is a really strange one because if you're doing a television program you're always compared to the BBC and whereas we frequently had you know a day if you were luxury, luxury would be a day in winter when you only had sort of like daylight from half nine till about half three and um, because camera technology wasn't that great and um, to do one item you know and then you look across top gear and they take four days and have three camera crews to do one item and you just go okay and you're compared directly to that all the time and the resources that they have and helicopter shots before drones existed they were having using helicopters and all sorts of things and then dara when i met you on on tg Carr's program mph and um, sure there was times we were doing three items maybe even four items in a day so you're really lashing it together and then it would break your heart because you know for the good job you do and you might have one person who'd say oh that's not as good as top gear or whatever and it would break your heart and you'd want to say to them but 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 and that's just that's just the the nature of the gig no, but, but like Michael, it was a con- constant comparison. Oh, is that like the Irish Top Gear? It's like, no, no. And, and you see, here's the thing with utter respect for Top Gear. Like I, I'm actually a Top Gear, like I love Top Gear. I think it's really good. Um, I think it's fantastic car entertainment. Even the, the old guard and the new guard, I enjoyed all of that, but it, they're different beasts. So I suppose my leading question to you today was to ask you whether or not you think there's actually room now back in the Irish market for an Irish car show, right? But not Top Gear. Top Gear is a beast yeah. in itself. And um, that other one that that went out on Prime, and I can't think of the name, but with Jeremy Clarkson and the lads. Uh, what's that called again? Oh, uh, Big Tour. Uh, the, the Grand, the Grand Tour. Tour, Grand Tour yeah. Right. They are different beasts completely. Is there room, yeah. do you think, in Ireland for an Irish TV motor show, or is that kind of like the, once again, what's the point? There's Top Gear. They 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 don't really cover the cars to our market though, and um, they don't cover even the cars to the UK market. Well, it's funny, Top Gear has shifted to being a really good infotainment to nearly full entertainment series. And I mean, the, the stage setups and everything else are fantastic. It really is 
entertaining the, the there's been a seismic shift in the sort of the lad culture um that was sort of an acceptable sort of banter in the 90s and the turn of the century now isn't really accepted anymore uh, it's not seen as funny or being overly clever just having lads out and about and um, having crack so again it comes down to the market size dara that um it, they've tried in the past you know there's been recent car shows um and they tend to have to seek a lot of support from the industry or be advertorial without being directly advertorial or letting people know that they actually were getting funding from within the industry. And the trouble with that is you never get any real criticism. Uh, you never really do the service you want and deliver the product you want uh, for the end consumer because it's always about uh, putting out, you know, facts as they can be and then your opinion your opinion can be as crazy as you want but you know you get your facts right and then let people decide themselves but making a car show is expensive and uh, that's always a problem so and the irish market unlike you know top gear which was funded and then you know it was shown to be hugely successful because if you put the effort in you can sell it globally and so on in ireland a lot of television is made for that'll do let's just get it right for the irish market and let's not look at foreign sales and we'll do it on a shoestring budget and a lot of the time that shoestring can be clearly seen on the screen at the end of the day. So it is a tricky one. I'd love to see a consumer car show out there where you'd have, <clears throat> you could have the banter, you could have the crack, you could give very valuable information. And even now, when you think of all of the information that people desperately need to find out about, say, electric vehicles or plug-in hybrids and so on, and the, that shift, you could give people really good independent info, but it, like all programs, Who's going to pay for it? How's it going to be funded? And that's always the problem. Oh, ma ma massively. I remember even working on, on the kind of radio end of thing. You, you couldn't actually go on air without a sponsor in, in place in, in, in advance. Um, and I can remember trying to get a couple of TV shows off the ground. And once again, it was like, yeah, where's the money come from? Uh, we went out, we would secure a certain amount of money, but you'd realize then that actually a few hundred thousand, which, which to a normal person would be like, well, that's a phenomenal amount of money, is a shoestring. Um, and that's when you question, well, what's the point in doing this on a shoestring when it's all going to come back to that question you started with, which was, uh, this isn't Top Gear. Uh, <laughs> so, and so, our, our market is so tiny. You know, it really yeah. is. Um, and it's a crying shame because there's so much. Uh, and he said it last week with, with Neil, there's a lot of things specific to Ireland um, mm. that aren't dealt with by. Um, and a lot of people no more than even to go back to the old thing of like you know the original skoda jokes that was all based on a range of skodas ireland never had that, that were on sale in the uk there were the, a lot of the the uh, communist built badly designed um, uh, skodas and there was a huge amount of humor about that at, the, at a time when in, in ireland we didn't have any of those vehicles at all but yeah we just you know import their humor and and make jokes about skodas so a lot of the time we're getting information which isn't really unique to our market and doesn't really do people as much a service as it can because i mean if if you're laughing it's good you're 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 really laughing um uh, at yourself because uh it's been one of the massive success stories um and delivered tremendous value with a volkswagen product um, and anybody who's still making lazy comparisons is has has missed the point completely and in the same way with the success of Toyota uh, in Ireland is massive compared to Europe. Now Europe is slowly cottoned on to the fact that Toyota are seriously uh, a good maker of cars. And they've gone from being in the low 20s in terms of popularity right up into the top 10 um, in Europe. Our, our uh, adoption of the Korean brands, the South Korean brands, the Hyundai Kia Motor Group, the fourth biggest car maker in the world, they mill their own steel, they mine their own steel, they have their own ships, their own cranes, their own robots. Hyundai kia is a massive company and um and in ireland we have embraced hyundai kia uh, massively because they offer really good machines at a very good price so the irish market is unique and it would be great if it was served by more content around um around motoring so i'm 100 with you on that data but again it's down to money two, two two things on that i think one of the good reasons and one of the main reasons as to why so many of us went towards kia and uh, hyundai it didn't work as well for let's say mitsubishi was that seven year warranty uh, and and they reasonable in comparison to the rest price on the market as well and it also helps 
as the years go on, and I want to talk to you about Irish Car of the Year, as the years go on, their standards of vehicles have just improved nonstop. Absolutely. And, and then the other thing, right? So we're going to get back to Hyundai in a second on EV6. I want to talk to you about from Kia as well. But before <coughs> we get to that, right? So you mentioned like, you know, okay, so uh, Skoda years ago would have been the lad of joke in the UK. <coughs> And that came across to Ireland and the Irish kind of laughed at the Skoda, not knowing what it was. But but many of us thought, well, Skoda, is that what the Brits call a ladder? I don't know. And all these people were laughing, blah, blah, blah. So just talking about the Brits and then talking about the Irish. I have been given out to and I have been slagged off and everything else like that because of my pronunciation of the word Peugeot, which I know is wrong. <laughs> right? I know it's wrong. But Michael, honestly, what, you what, know, what do you say? It's not because uh, the Irish importer in France, it's Peugeot. Okay, Peugeot? very cool. And especially in France, you're obliged by law to put your voice as deep as possible and go, just go, Peugeot. Peugeot. It's got to be, you know, juicy and low end, classic Frenchman. Um, God, I hate them for being that's in the rugby. But <laughs> in Ireland, it's actually Peugeot. Mm. And that's the official line from the importer. Um, so, yeah, we have a few things in the same way with uh, like uh, Dacia, 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 Dacia is Dacia even though in some places you'll hear Dacha and you'll hear different things in different pronunciations. Generally, the Irish uh, importer um, or distributor will have their twist on it and that's allowed. So in Ireland, it is Peugeot. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it, it's like BMW. What would you call it if you were in Germany? Well, BMW. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, um, yeah. So, so it depends on, depends on where you are. I mean, sure, look, <laughs> speaking of names, sure people are still mispronouncing Nissan Qashqai I, I always remember when it was launched it was brilliant because it launched the affordable SUV craze because it took basically an Almira regular car chassis and put a styling of an SUV on top of it for the price of an Almira or a Ford Focus so, so circa 25 grand 24 grand when it was launched it was really affordable 10 about 10 grand cheaper than the equivalent X-Trail the proper SUV looking machine but um, nobody could pronounce Kashkai, you know, Q-A-S-H-Q-A-I. So my favourite one that came back from uh, Nissan Ireland, they have a list of, of what their dealers, uh, um, people were coming in looking for. The best one was the Kishki. Somebody <laughs> came looking at, have you one of those Kishkis? I'd like a Kishki, please. So the name can be a terrible problem uh, for pronunciation. And to be honest, I'm if, if I hadn't been shown how to pronounce it, you know, would, you, would anybody ever have the fear of going into a dealership and not buying a car because they couldn't pronounce the name? Or if you had to explain it all the time? No, no, no. I'll just I'll actually go get a Ford Fiesta instead. I can pronounce that. My, my, <laughs> Michael, in, in, in your part of the world, for example, so, so you're, you're in the Ireland's garden being Wicklow, fantastic, beautiful area and all the rest. And, and you're kind of on your way. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in from UK or from further afield in Europe or anywhere like that, or even in the States, welcome. Welcome to Drive Talk, and I'm not allowed to sing that anymore. Thanks, Michael. Um, <laughs> but as you go through Ireland, let's say you're going from Dublin in the direction of, of Wicklow, the next county over is a beautiful county by the name of Waxford or Wexford, right? And Wexford. you know what they call uh, what, what I've noticed in Wexford is that there's no Dacia or Dacha or anything like It's the Dacia. Dacia. And it's, it's, it's like you're in Waterford. It's the Dacia. The but Dacia it's the same, same with, you know, Little Lidl. It's Lidl. It's Lidl. But everybody calls it Lidl's. Are you going to Lidl's? And oh, I'm, I'm going little, and it, you know that's the, the trouble is, uh, and you remember the start. You just as a modern journalist, you spend too much time in Germany and in Europe and hearing being said the right way or the correct way, or you 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 ask, and you say, well, what's the right way of saying that? And then you have to drill it into yourself. But yeah, it's funny how uh, you know names can make a, a huge um, have a huge impact on on the car you drive and how you feel about it. You know, so. Um, yeah. I, I I can remember um, a few, few years ago, uh, I had the pleasure of working with Paddy Common before he joined um, Volkswagen. And funny enough, I'll be talking to Paddy over the next couple of weeks. Um, but I worked with him on a podcast for Renault Ireland where we where we discussed, funnily enough, electric vehicles. So we're, we're talking, this is probably back in 2008. Okay, So the first Fluence would have come out, the Kangoo would have come out. And I can remember there was a guy heading up Renault Ireland called Frederick Soulier. I think yeah. is his name, or it could have been the guy just before him. I can't remember exactly, but I asked him. It's like at the time, a lot of people in Re in Ireland call Renault Renault. Okay, yeah, yes, um, right. And so I, I asked that question. I said, "What what are we going to use, Renault or Renault?" And he said, "Well, actually, whichever suits best, whatever you feel most comfortable with, go with." Because here in Ireland, we're going to go whatever. So Renault was acceptable. 
Um, so yeah, uh, and, and let's face it, you know, A U L T is alt, like it's you know, yeah, but, but it's French, and we're, we're cultured, Michael. Yeah, we, but we this are, was, you know, we, we were a young nation, we were a young nation back then when I was in short trousers, like you know, EU is you know, only brand new, and we, we just we had so much to learn, but now we are fully paid up members, and actually, um, it's funny because. At the time, Renault were really were ahead of the game because of Nissan Renault Lines, which actually Mitsubishi is part of, they have a huge group of companies. Um, at the time, they introduced the EV Angels, and these were specialist EV advisors that were going to be in every dealership where they sold EVs to give the best advice so they'd sell the right car to the right person who was informed, knew exactly what they were getting into, range anxiety, all of that sort of thing. And it was, a, it was an impartial way of letting people make an informed choice way ahead of its time. Um, uh, and it's something, it's it's funny, it's something we need, we need now in all dealerships. And the only people doing anything like that kind of now are um, are Tesla, who have, who have their sales ad, ad, advisors who aren't on commission, who are there just to give you the information you need. But um, uh, Renault have frequently been ahead of the, ahead of the game with their um, uh, EV development, and they probably don't get enough credit for it. Oh, oh, you know what? You're actually spot on. And look, I, I know I'm going to mention Nissan now, and obviously there's natural links there and everything else like that as well. Yeah. I asked Neil Briscoe a question last week. I'm going to ask you a similar question, okay? Um, and not trying to slag off Toyota, but I, I feel they're so ahead of the game with their EV technology, or sorry, their, their hybrid electric vehicle technology. Um, they were so far ahead of the pack. And I asked the question last week. It's like, what, why weren't they quicker and coming out with a full EV? And I know you guys were at testing last week. I I was stalking you on Twitter during the week as well. Um, but my question is Nissan. Okay, so Nissan Leaf, um, obviously, you know, groundbreaking machine, uh, full electric vehicle, and it, it, it sold far more than Renault did with Fluence, certainly here in Ireland with Fluence or Kangoo or even Zoe as it was at the time. Yep. Um, why, were, why were Nissan kind of so slow in broadening their range of electric vehicles do you think uh, and and do you think they kind of missed the trick uh no i think i think it's funny they're they're well ahead of the game and it's funny mitsubishi as part of the renault nissan alliance has played a big part in their ev development as well because they're you know they're silent partners in the background but hmm. we forget that europe uh, sort of cherry picks europe is is seen very differently by a, a lot of the manufacturers and the big volume sellers like nissan and toyota and all the rest europe is a relatively tiny market compared to you know asia the usa and so on where gas and gasoline is still king and there's so many markets of russia and so on all of africa everything where fuel is fueled cars are the lifeblood and they will be for for decades to come because we can kid ourselves and say no they'll all be switching to ev and sure look why don't you just switch africa over to solar power these things won't happen and they won't happen for a lot well for a long time they will happen mm -hmm. eventually but it will take a long time all of these manufacturers make huge money out of using the technologies that they have and they're very very good at making their petrol engines their diesel engines uh, but particularly petrol engines the likes of nissan and so on and then they'll even have various sub brands for different markets so there's so much profit for them to be made. I mean, they're all businesses at the end of the day. And if you don't, um, if you don't sort of appreciate that first and foremost, you know, the, none of them are going to make, take the moral high ground if it doesn't make money for their shareholders. And there's also with Asian companies, with Nissan, with Toyota and so on, there's a sort of a conservatism that you, you kind of, you know, it surprises a lot of people because you think of all oh, technological innovations and you think of electronics and you think of new stuff and every day of the week there's something new coming from here there and everywhere but um surprisingly heavy industry in japan and that part of the world can be quite slow moving and um nissan still um uh, lead the way but i suppose they're they're doing it at their own pace and as a direct result of where they see the profits to be made so we are going to see a lot of uh, new evs coming on on stream what tends to happen, um, and you've you've found this say with the Volkswagen ID range, right? ID when it, when we got a shipment of them in during during lockdown and they went top of the sales charts when we eventually got them. You can't get an EV for love or money at the moment. Um, there's just such a backlog, such a delay. So many people are angry that all of their um, their orders for their gorgeous EVs, you know, they've they've invested time, effort, they've researched. They've got their home charges and everything else, and they're being told their car is delayed. Yeah. Um, but 
you've got companies like Volkswagen who have their ID system, and that's a, a basically a skate that you can build anybody on top of. Um, and I was I was testing the the, um, the ID Buzz, which is their new uh, minivan. Um, and again, depending on when this goes out, it's embargoed till this Sunday the twentieth. But what they're doing is is they can put any shape or any form or body form onto this thing because they've developed this ID floor plan and it's a scalable thing so they can stretch it, make it a little bit wider and so on. But it's basically an electric car, like the old days with the chassis and wheels and a power source. And then you can put on whatever body you want um, and you can make it as functional in whatever uh, whatever way you see, see fit. So all the manufacturers at the moment are building their versions of scalable EVs. And from that, they'll make something that's profitable and then they'll chuck on all the body styles we've dreamed up. Okay, I'm, I, I'm going to ask you a very quick question there because because this uh, podcast is starting out and you're, you're not to worry, so just answer yes or no. Anything there, did anything there break embargo? Uh, no, it depends on when, when no, because I have to give, if I gave you driving impressions of what I thought the ID buzz or the ID don't, car was like, let's Don't tell let's me any driving because, because this new podcast, I'm looking at a very empty uh, <laughs> podcast page. So I'm actually going to put out yours quite early and then I'll be putting Paddy's out on Sunday. So I'm going to put yours out on Thursday is the plan then Sunday Paddy, and then once I get three in, I'm going to do week by week by week. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. So if there's and anything actually, you'd like off, I can I can add in a few. No, no, no. That's just for no, good measure. That's that, that's all fine. Because again, it, you're always on this cycle of different things. Like I'm I'm off on, on Thursday. I'll be off driving Renault's new electric Megane um, down in in uh, down in south of Spain, where it'll get great mileage because the weather will be warm. We'll probably be on flat roads. But it'll be again a very significant car for Renault because by putting electric uh, powertrains into regular machines, you're more likely to be able to just treat it as a regular car, and that's the real tipping point. Everybody talks about getting the range to the right level and so on, but it's when the EV um, experience becomes effortless. When somebody who doesn't give a crap about cars can just go out, get into their EV, drive it off. They'll be totally impressed at how gorgeously smooth they are, how torquey they are, how quiet it is in the cabin. They are utterly fantastic when you're using them. But if they can get into them and use it, go wherever they want to go and know that charging is going to be an issue because they can charge at home or there's enough chargers in the public domain to be able to get a charge without any worries. That's when we'll all be happy out and the whole EV thing will work uh, to perfection. And by putting it into cars we know and names we know and you know, slowly increasing the battery capacity that's happening at the moment, it's making that transition a lot easier. And it shows that the industry has confidence that they can actually now make an EV and turn a profit because they'll only do this when they can make money. And if, at the moment, they're a peak engine, so they know everything there is to know about engines. They can make a huge amount of profit off their petrol and diesel engine cars. And they'll say, we'll keep doing this as long as we can. Um, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting time. Okay, I'm going to move on. Irish Car of the Year uh, yeah. was on this week. Um, and I, like I, I know from experience, it's an exciting time of the year. Um, it, like it really is. And it's actually a big job. And w one thing, I'm not sure if every journal appreciates this fact, although I kind of hope you do. Um, I certainly know you do because I think you were the guy who taught it to me. It's like the decision you make has an effect on, on everything from the success of a company uh but not only that to buyer's choice to all these other things right so it's actually quite a big deal it's not just somebody tickling their fancy going oh i like the look at that let's smack irish card of the year on it or whatever it is and it's the same with european card of the year world card of the year everything else like that but this year you've chosen and folks this is not intended to be an electric vehicle podcast just bottom line is that's the big news of vehicles at the moment so it's what we're talking about but you happen to pick the ev6 from kia this year which may i say I saw one the other day, right? And I'm now in the comfortable position of, I no longer test drive, we know that, and I'm not looking for test drives, but I'm able to admire cars as they go by me. And I saw the EV6 in the flesh the other day. It was actually the day of the ICOTY, the Irish car of the year. Yep. And, and I was looking at it going, number one, I wonder is that on its way to Lansdowne Road or wherever it was that you held the event? But number two, I went, oh, that's stunning. Um, deserved. Um, are you allowed to talk about your votes? Uh, uh, yeah, that well, direction, well or? you know, the great thing is, um, 
this is this is advice that it was it, to be able to do the award. No, I didn't attend because again I was isolating it with COVID. But um, I voted and I was phoned on the day for my final vote for Car of the Year, uh, and and I vote on Van of the Year as well. Um, it's basically two groups, two motoring writer groups. So it's not it's not everybody in the motoring industry, but it's a good chunk of people. So hopefully it all balances out and you get there or thereabouts with the various categories and then the overall winner. So the way it works is the categories, you have to have at least three cars qualifying. And the technical side is it's the previous October to the present day and this sort of thing to see if they're on sale and available. So anyway, we come away with a list. Uh, this year we had a lot of uh, EVs as a, just as it happened in the various categories of car. Only a category winner is then able to go forward for the overall vote of car of the year. So EV6 won its category um, and it was a very competitive category because of the ID uh, range of cars. So the, the Volkswagen Group ID electric car um, has the ID3, the ID4, and, and we had the ID3 first came to Ireland. Funnily enough, the ID4 was designed before the ID3 and Volkswagen decided to bring the three at first because it looked more like a car, a bit more like a golf. Uh, if the Skoda, Skoda, Enyaq and the Audi uh, Q4 e-tron, they're all built on the same platform, just different badges, different things. Skoda, Skoda probably gives you a bit more room, a bit more of a good family package. Volkswagen, dead dependable, rock solid. Ireland treats Volkswagen as a sort of almost a premium brand. It's probably the most premium of the of the um, main sellers. And then um, Audi, which their their Q4 e-tron is terrific value for money because you get your four-ring badge and EV technology at a good price point. So you you know so there's a lot for that. But you also had the Hyundai pairing. <laughs> I think there was a Freudian slip last week, but it was like somebody said. Uh, yeah, the EV5. So you have the Ionic 5 and the EV6. Uh -huh. Sounds like a band, doesn't it? The Ionic 5. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, Hyundai is the, is, the, is the dominant partner in the Hyundai Motor Group. And Kia is seen as the sort of the Pepsi, the more youthful choice, the uh, alternative. If we can't sell you Hyundai, we'll certainly sell you Kia. Now, in Ireland, Hyundai is a private company, the people who import it. Kia is part of uh, Kia Europe, so that it answers to Frankfurt and so on and so forth. Um, so there would be just at distributor level, which nobody cares about, a bit of a bit of uh, rivalry because everybody's after the market. Hyundai have done a magnificent job in Ireland. They sell phenomenally yeah. well. Uh, Ionic 5 is a fantastic car. It looks like a sort of a, a kind of a, a golf pumped up to 11 and is really, really good. The exact same technology is in the Kia, the EV6, but the EV6 is a bit lower, it's a bit sleeker, it's a bit more car-like. And I think the way things are going with EVs, if you can have a more aerodynamic package, still have the same space and have some sort of style which would really turn your heads, uh, EV6 is it. So in that category, I had uh, the EV6 one point ahead of the Ionic 5. They were my top, wow. they were my top two. Um, so... So that meant EV6 went through, could be the only one that the people would then be able to vote on. So the other categories, we had the Sandero won the compact car of the year, great value car, the C4 Citroen won um, uh, medium car of the year, uh, large car of the year was of course EV6, small crossover of the year, Opel Maca, and we had medium crossover of the year, which was the Renault Arcana. Luxury car of the year uh, was the Mercedes S-Class and the performance car of the year was the M3, M4. So the, all those winners were then available to be voted on. So that's when I got my phone call on, on the Friday and saying, well, which one of these? So you just voted on one. I voted on EV6 and it deserves to be the winner. Yeah. Uh, and look, I, I want to ask you about driving a moment, but I actually want to go back to luxury car of the year, the Mercedes-Benz S-Class. Yeah. What, what did they do? Because in 2017, we had the all new, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, 2016, 27, model year 27, I think, or 2017, maybe in the end. Um, uh, was was this a facelift S class yeah, or you know, is it up well, to date? Well, hands up straight away, it, it wasn't my first choice. Um, in that category, the BMW iX was there. That was my clear winner in that category. The BMW iX is their large electric um, SUV crossover. Gorgeous. The technology in it and what it's what it signifies for that sector is far more significant than the Mercedes S class. S class is a gorgeous, comfy. Um, luxury old school car. It the EQS, the electric version of it, 
okay, Mercedes electric brand is called EQ. The EQS, now there is a stunning luxury car, but again, it wasn't there, it wasn't available for us. Um, and that probably would have would have walked luxury car of the year. Um, so yeah, so the S-Class is last of the old school in the same way that BMW M3 and M4 are phenomenal machines, but they represent the pinnacle of internal combustion engine motoring. For me, actually in the performance car, BMW M3 and M4 were, were my second choice, my first choice, was the uh, the uh, Gazoo, um, the GR Yaris, the Toyota Yaris. Uh, oh, sorry, well, yeah. Uh, which, again, WRC car, four-wheel drive, built uh, as, a, as a just a phenomenally capable machine. And I think anybody who sort of added up all the component parts uh, and saw the synergy that came out of it, uh, it's just an astonishingly brilliant, brilliant, brilliant car. Now, I'd have an M3 in a heartbeat. It's a great family car and everything else, but <laughs> I had far much fun in the in the gr yaris and i think anybody and, and, anybody with a pulse would find the gr yaris really thrilling and i'm reading nothing but amazing reviews about it both from uk and from ireland as oh, well it's, and it's such a stunning scene. It, it, you know what it actually talks to you it tells you every single thing it's doing it gives you encouragement it gives you reassurance it's it goes where you want it to go it goes even to the places you didn't think you wanted to go but you're so thankful it went where it wanted to go um, it it's just a ridiculously capable car. Whereas an M3 and M4, they're great on the Autobahn, but to be honest, you know, the, to really have a huge amount of fun in an M3 and M4, you're doing stuff which is highly illegal, like in this country. <laughs> I mean, I've, 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 you know, I've, I've, you know, done exceedingly quick speeds in Germany on the Autobahns in them. And yeah. I've, t I've taken them around racetracks and I've done all sorts of things and they are outrageously good. They're far more talented than I am. But euro for euro at sort of circa 50 grand the toyota yaris uh, gr is just astonishing it really is uh, the, the, yeah. were you questioning much about the fact i'm reading about it here right this stunning little hot hatch features a 1.6 liter three-cylinder turbo engine where did many people many uh, i suppose realists purists anything else like that turn around and say three-cylinder engine really uh, e even you though know, we should I... be way beyond that at this stage i mean jesus <laughs> if you can have a 2.3 liter eco boost which is, oh, you know, stop. yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's all about usable power because yeah. um, it's like, you know, when, when say Volkswagen finally sort of copped on that they'd made their Golf GTI too heavy for a while. And then the Mark V came along and it just had 200 horsepower. It was a front wheel drive thing and it was just lovely. It had the perfect amount of power for it, for its size and so on. And um, uh, a car just, it's not about the numbers. It's, it's, it, there's so many more elements which come into play. That's why like, you know, one of my favorites, one of your favorites, um, uh, Mazda MX-5. Rear wheel oh, yeah. drive, front wheel steering, uh, you're low to the ground, wind in the hair, um, whether you like it or not, uh, whatever hair you've left. And it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous sensation. And at, at normal real world speeds, you're having a ball. Do you, you, know, you know, take a, a mini, you know, a mini uh, Cooper S. Again, normal speeds, hilarious fun. You're just connected. The car wants you. You need, you're a part of it. It appreciates you being there. You're not just sitting in something which is uber technical. It actually is giving you an interaction which makes every cent you spent on it worth it. I, I have to go back to the MX-5, Michael. I, I like it. Yeah. Oh, but by the way, I've written down here, Mazda World Champion uh, with a ring around it for you. Myself and Neil Briscoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Wow. Endurance Actually, racing. I, Endurance racing, yeah. Yeah, and you, you two represented Ireland. Uh, we did. And, actually, and, and Paddy Cummins, when you get Paddy Cummins in as well, and Connor Toomey, who's over in the UK now, again, a, a, yeah. a journo who jumped uh, to the other side of the ship. But yeah, we raced in Adria representing Ireland, which was brilliant. Um, I think we had the, um, the proud boast of being the heaviest team. Um, but uh, but we had great fun and it was sort of a damp day and we got to race our, our own MX-5 we were able to set it up ourselves and do everything else we wanted to um, and then funnily a, a couple of years later I got to race um, on a frozen lake up in the Arctic Circle uh, on a, we had a four kilometre track on a frozen lake and myself and Paddy actually Paddy we were the two Irish representatives we were paired up with uh, I think a, a Finnish guy who was a Rally of the Lakes champion um, and, and yeah. some some other poor dude who had to make up our times but we were let loose on this wonderful uh, frozen lake with studded tires the roof off our mx5 and we spent the entire time going sideways and it's 
like that's where you when you realize you know car and rally cars and everything else the steering wheel the last thing it really does is steer you just use the steering wheel <laughs> to upset the balance of the car and then you use the brakes and the accelerator because you have enough power to actually do the real steering so if you all of the severe turning you see that's never done from steering input that's done from power going through the tires and and just getting that timing right so you can imagine on a frozen lake i spent the entire time looking at the side windows and just uh -huh. giggling to myself saying I am doing this and it's a job. And it was just the most phenomenal thing. And that's why, you know, an MX-5 will have a place in my heart for it. One of my favorite things about the Mazda MX-5, um, and look, I, I've been in lucky position like yourself to drive many of them over the years. It's those short throws between gears. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and it's, it's the sound of the engine, no, no matter how small the engine is, like a, what what were the options? One point six point five. was the smallest, and it's funny because, um, you know, I, we motoring journalists tend to not keep hanging hang onto cars for very long. Um, I had an MX five for three years, which wow. was the longest I've ever kept a car. It was a Mark One MX five, and the only reason I sold it was because child number one came along, and I never let that child is now twenty four, nearly twenty five, um. I never let her forget that the reason yeah. I sold my pride and joy was because she came along and I yeah I ended up getting an Audi 80 and I've oh, never man. forgiven her ah no look although it wasn't nice Audi 80 yeah it's nice but again MX5 just and the thing is you can pick up a really tidy Mark 3 MX5 with a good NCT good long NCT for about five grand uh and quid for quid it's like just it's absolute tonic like if you're feeling in any way muzzy or your head's blocked or somebody's wrecked your head or something else and you just want to go for a good out drive and um, that's the best thing in the world a winter's night a winter's night the heater on the roof down looking at the stars as you uh, as you just cruise along it's just heaven and that's where the joy of motoring is is still phenomenal there's a lot of consumables and consumer products out there that will do a functional job and will get your gear back from ikea but there's times you just want to enjoy driving it's nearly as if it's a bad a bad word but you know if you want to enjoy driving finding these little gems of vehicles you can have such a ball oh hell yeah oh hell yeah look i'm with you 100 right there's two other things i want to talk to you about there's actually a lot more but like with <laughs> neil look I, I've, I've got a page of notes here for you but uh they're just bullet points and they, they bring me back to certain stories i know from you um before i get to i suppose driving cross country across uh, the usa in in ford mustangs I want to ask you about Suzuki Jimny because I've been watching oh. the Motorhub uh, Twitter account, and <laughs> I have to say, it looks it looks the same, which is brilliant. Oh, it's phenomenal! Um, tell me about it. You know what? Um, uh, right, reasons not to get a Jimny. <laughs> Go on. Okay, uh, so they're they're the reasons not to get a Jimny. Uh, huh? <laughs> um, the, only, the only downside, the only downside to a Jimny is that God, they're noisy. They are so noisy. It is. One of the loudest cars, the, the only version that they're selling in Ireland, because they say the passenger version would be too dear, which is just a way of saying Ireland is a backwater of Suzuki. Ireland, Suzuki Ireland is part of Suzuki UK. In the UK, they were oversubscribed multiple times over for people looking for the Suzuki Jimny. The engine isn't particularly green. It's a petrol engine. Uh, and they're saying, well, that's why the cost would be so high and we have targets, emissions targets and so on to meet. But there is a commercial version you can buy, which has two seats. It's the exact same as Jimmy, just that there's no seats in the back. But the space in the back is huge. So you can fit bags of coal, the dog, a kennel, whatever you want into the back if you wanted to. But up front, it's as it would be with any other Jimmy. So um, hilarious fun, ridiculously loud. At, uh, you do go over 100 kilometers an hour on the motorway and you are yeah. deafened and um, and also you're screaming saying please could i have three more gears just to add to the five that are there because it's so sh the gearing is so short on it but the wonderful thing with suzuki suzuki are brilliant at making small cars they're also brilliant at making small four-wheel drives and the precursor to the jimny was you had, you had the samurais the sjs the sj413 and one zero and others they're just they put in proper four-wheel drive gubbins underneath. So all the four wheels, you're mechanically, you can feel every single ounce of mechanical bits um, touching off each other and grinding and all that sort of thing as you make the thing move. But 
a, a jimmy will literally go up uh, the steepest hill you'll find. It will shame a Land Rover in where it can go because it's power to weight and the way it's geared and it's short overhangs. So the front wheels are really at the front and the back wheels are really at the back. So it can literally go up and down the steepest things. Um, and it's just hilarious. And on the road, it actually surprised me good going around corners. You'd think it would just roll over, but it actually, the suspension loads up nice, nice and smoothly. You always know where the limit of grip is and you'll be leaning too much um, you know, at any stage that'll make you ease off. So you'll never find its limit on a bend. Um, uh, so even though you look at it and you go, oh, God, that thing's dinky, it must, be, it must be terrible on the road, it must be really unsafe. It actually is a very secure thing on the road, but they're such fun. And it's, um, I think, circa 22 grand, 21, 22 grand for the commercial. And it's just such a giggle. It's such a happy car. It really is. It's like, um, it, it just, I, you know, you can't, you could see people trying to have road rage if you came out and pulled out in front of them or were cheeky in traffic. And nobody can. It's like, it's like you're driving a Labrador puppy. It really is that, that ridiculously cute. <laughs> Okay, let, let, let's move on. But by, by the way, I, I love the fact... Suzuki, right? send me the check now. Oh, oh hell. Oh, no, look, it's actually, it's a card. It is look, I, I'm going to be honest. There's not going to be many sold, but it's a card that will sell itself to the right people. Oh, absolutely. Um, I like to be very... Somebody would go into a Suzuki dealership knowing that's what they're buying. It's like, no, no, I don't care about whatever else you have. Show me. And there was, a great, there was a great version that Suzuki did as a promo car where they actually converted the back of it into a coffee machine. So oh, it actually God. is a complete, like including water tanks. So you open up the back door and you can make your espressos and everything else. So as a business, um, they made this thing and you just go, that's the most perfect thing. Like, you know, forget about having a career in life. Just buy one of these. Spend the rest of your days driving around in your jimmy uh, selling cups of coffee. It'd be fantastic. Boom. And, <laughs> and there you go. The use of a commercial vehicle. That's what we're going to discuss Absolutely. next week. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Ford Mustang, yourself and Tony Toner uh, over the years. Um, I, I suppose have made me jealous as hell because I, I know you did it more than once. I don't think you did it. I'm, I'm not sure if you did more you know than what? once in a Mustang. You used to do it on bikes. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny. This year is the 20th anniversary of our first trip across Route 66. Um, back in 2002, Temple Street were, um, were doing the first um, bike ride, motorcycle ride across Route 66. And um, uh, I think I just finished up on Bull Island and had been asked what I direct a documentary on the trip. Tony was the road captain. The road captain is in charge of sort of the safety of the motorcycles and training and making sure that everybody um, who starts off gets to finish. And they put in a huge amount of work. And Tony at the time had trained me up on a motorcycle. I said, I think at the time I was writing for the RT Guide. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do the uh, sort of the idiot's guide to getting onto a motorcycle. Um, and oh, this, this is how you yeah, got onto bikes. This, yeah, this is how I got onto bikes. And I'd met Tony at a number, you know, a number of, of car events, and he'd be riding and reviewing cars. And I told him, "Look, I have a dirt bike. I'll happily play in the field, but there's no way I'm getting on the road because people try and kill you if you're on a motorcycle." But he trained me up on the police system because uh, he was a qualified uh, uh, guard instructor, but he'd also trained with the police services in the UK and was the most qualified motorcycle instructor um, that I've, I've ever met. Um, yeah, and, and he uh, he trained me up on a motorcycle and I wrote about it in the RT guide and sort of serialized it and stuff. And I passed my test and so on. And then the first thing I knew was I was going to be doing more miles in the States on a Harley than I had done in Ireland on a road bike. Yeah. Um, so that was 20 years ago. That was um, 2002. It was a, a fantastic time. It happens every uh, every two years. I think I did the first uh, the first three of those, and uh, but yeah, <clears throat> back to the, the the cars came as a as a result of that when they when they launched the new Mustang, um, there was a, an event called the the Mustang Drive Experience. We put fifteen, I think we had fifteen convertible Mustangs when it was when the car was just launched, and um, I made a TV documentary on it as well, and we went along Route sixty six, which as you know is from Chicago to LA. It's yeah. about two and a half thousand. Uh, uh, miles and it's just a an epic road trip. So um, yeah, yeah. I'm I, in terms of in terms of having got to do some jammy things in motorcycles and cars, uh, crossing Route sixty six in a convertible Mustang certainly is one of those. It, it, it's a personal dream of mine, right? And f f funny enough, Tony Toner, uh, Tony, your ears must be burning right now and 
please say yes to the invite when you get it to come on because i want to talk about this more with you <coughs> but um tony tony years ago he was arranging a, a bike one and he he asked me if he wanted if, if he could train me into doing it and he said look at, at the time the licensing rules had changed in ireland he said look we can do it through belfast or we can do whatever it is we'll do it we'll do it right i'll fully train you up to do it and i was so tempted but i suppose the, the the personalities on my shoulders you know the good versus evil uh my kids were my, my first kid was just born um i had my wife saying no you're not getting a fucking bike i had me saying i should really love a bike but i'm not getting a fucking bike and <laughs> on i went but no i would have loved to have done it but but then when i found out the year that you guys were doing the the mustang one and w w once again i i think both of you gave me the offer of being a an attendee i i can't actually remember but to me that's one of my personal dreams like to, to go across route 66 roof down beautiful car beautiful scenery certainly every documentary i've looked at it looks like arid deserts everything else like that but just fascinating views so i suppose my question for you on on this is right so you've got a two-week period a mammoth drive okay yeah um was there any part of that journey that you'd uh, other than the fact that you're working on it michael like i know you, you you take your work seriously you have to get your shots in you have to do all this that and the other so i'm going to try and ask you to isolate that and put it back to the drive was there any part of the drive that you would describe as being well that was tough you know what um not a bit because the topography of the states uh, changes so much and there's always stuff to see like you know you've got starts in chicago um you know home of the blues and you know mm. you've got a cosmopolitan city everybody is all cool liberal and all that sort of thing and then you're heading out into the sticks and you're going through what you know your many springfields and you know st louis and all of these things every state has its own sort of personality every road every section of road um, and luckily <clears throat> between tony and a lot of the guys a lot of the guys who did um, route 66 as well we know every inch <clears throat> of 66 and they've been slowly recommissioning it it went out of commission in, in the early 80s but they've realized that it actually is a tourist trail and along the way there are lots of tourist traps and there's all of the cliched photographs uh that you see but to see them anytime i was i was there I was always trying to get a different angle or seeing a different way of viewing what was there and trying to look at things with fresh eyes but every single state has its own sort of look feel smell so I think you could take anybody who was on the trip and drop them into any of the states, not show them a sign post, and they'd know what state they were in. Um, and the route itself, the sort of spiritual nature of it, uh, and I'm not an overly spiritual person, but yeah. people headed from desperation across, heading towards the sunset every day, trying to find arable land, a place to settle down, a new life. And when you get to Santa Monica and Route 66 ends on the boardwalk in Santa Monica, you see it all the time in the movies. And we get to ride down and drive down onto the boardwalk of Santa Monica, usually with an escort from from yeah. Chips or uh, on the Sheriff's Department and stuff and the police there in L.A. Um, it's a, it's a, an astonishing trip and it's very, very emotionally charged because of that journey that you've traveled. But so many people traveled it before out of necessity. We had the, you know, the luxury of being in in fantastic machines that weren't going to break down and we were able to fuel them and feed ourselves and so on but the people who traveled that journey before so every now and again you get a chance to connect with that i mean and one time it's funny back on, on back to the motorcycles and um, i was just outside in, in gallup new mexico and there was a a, a navajo um, indian at the side of the road just hitching a ride and what in that part of the world if you're if you're a native american if you don't hold out gas money at the side of the road you you won't get a lift from people like, like it's it's a, wow. it's a strange part of the world and and this is just the reality that was there but we stopped and we had a chat we met um uh, met people i ended up giving um a, a guy a lift back up to his reservation um and and then you hear the tales of of how the navajo nation gave money to the irish famine um, wow. and made a donation to us uh, and you see and you find those little connections all the way along that road and you're saying, I'm here, I've got a, a Native American Navajo on the back of my Harley. I'm on their reservation, I'm on their spiritual ground. We're having the chats, smiling at each other, having a laugh. 
and uh, and then I'm heading on my way and there's just like a trail of dust coming off the back of the bike as you're heading back for the main main uh, the route to get back onto 66 again and you're going okay that's yeah, just so that that's, that's been that that's been a bit of a special day and the thing is wow. on a bike or on 66 or whatever else you you just can't help it every day is a special day and the tragedy with 66 is that it has to end so when you're on the boardwalk you're then feeling really sad saying well look i really was enjoying the journey i'm at the destination now what happens to the bike tomorrow you know where where do i go tomorrow and yeah. that's that's the sort of the perpetual nature nature of motoring there's always there's always change there's always something uh, yeah. to keep you interested and keep you moving on but um yeah, the convertible is is definitely a good way to see the states. Right. I, I have one more question for you related to that, but I, my, like you're talking about spiritual moments, so I, 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 I can't. I, I'm not going to give you a story like the one you just gave me gave, gave to me there. But I suppose the most spiritual moment I had on a long journey, um, I was driving across uh, Australia uh, on the Great Pacific Highway, um, and oh, Jesus, we were going from Cairns down to New South Wales, so it was a mammoth drive. I think it was a ten hour drive. I was about maybe three o'clock in the morning and I'm driving along on my Nissan Prairie. Do you remember those Nissan Prairie? Absolutely. Slide right. inside doors. Yeah, you know, it was awesome. Right. Uh, and it, it actually had two badges on it. Both This in Australia, it had both the Datsun badge to the front and a Nissan badge to the rear. Ooh. There you go. Nice. Right, so I'm driving along in my Nissan Prairie. We, we had um, a picture of Jack Nicholson shining on the left back window. We had uh, Cary Grant in, um, what, what's that one with the airplane going over him? Oh, North, is, no, North, 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 West, or South yeah, by that, Southwest, or whatever. Yes, yeah, what okay, else? Or, we, that one yeah, north or it. east west by west east <laughs> um but no we're, we're driving along right and everyone in the car is asleep all right uh, and i'm driving and it's as i said about two o'clock <coughs> in the morning and we, we're going through some kind of back end of nowhere town and and i'm there and i'm like yeah this is awesome like i'm doing a 10-hour drive like it was just mammoth and there on the road in front of me i saw this little thing on the road so i started to slow down everyone's still asleep and I came to a stop, right? So this is the middle of the night and Great Pacific Highway has very rural parts where there'll be no cars in the road or anything like that. And there's a koala bear eating whatever it is. The eucalyptus. eucalyptus, right? Yeah. They're eating the eucalyptus in the middle of the road. And I just stopped the car and the pair of us staring at each other, staring each other out of it. He was going nowhere, but I was like, oh my God, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> it's got a Datsun badge on the front and a Nissan badge on the back. He right. was the only this car nut. Oh, yeah, I, I know. It's, the, the, the little koala word, I was about to call him a knee walk. The little koala was just sitting there going, what the fuck are you driving, pal? Um, but no, that, that to me was the most spiritual I'm moment. One of the first and most honest MPVs that ever existed. Oh, it, 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 we, we called it Corky and I had a spiritual connection with this car. And and you, did, you, did you get any um, any kangaroos giving you a near trouser changing moments or anything no else. there was plenty of roadkill and you would i wouldn't say often but on occasion you'd see one kind of i suppose bouncing along with the car to your left or to your right or whatever it was uh saw plenty of joeys out there but but plenty of roadkill thankfully like i've had run-ins with deer here in ireland and with stags here in ireland where i've had my car written off over there we did look out for kangaroos as in fear them in terms of we don't want to because they're big big animals big beasts but but no with regards to the nissan prairie though right i used to talk to a michael like i remember we're there's this mountain range in new south wales called kyogo okay um and it's it's quite high and this is quite an old car so the year would have been 2001 i think it was or 2002 and i'm coming down the mountain range and the brakes go and it, wow. it, this is this is where I learned to pop the car under any circumstances into second gear to come down that mountain because you can cool down the brakes, but you're also the car is stopping you from going too fast. But to tell you I shot a brick that day would be to tell you a lie. It was a lot more than a brick, and it came out a lot faster. Um, but <laughs> moving the lower on seats. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I was finished with them. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, stop. But, um, move, moving on for that, though. The, the final question. Okay, so, uh, and it's the last question. I'm, I'll leave you with this. Okay, so <laughs> you've described this epic adventure from Chicago to, to LA, 
uh, going cross country and described it both in a car and on a bike. So I've got to pose <coughs> the obvious question. Um, next time you do it, would you rather do it in a car or on a bike? Because I imagine there's some amazing connection to have a bike and do that. So even though I'd never done that and I have no real riding experience that I can truly talk of. It's it's funny, it, it, Dara, it would motivate you to learn to ride a motorcycle. Um, it's funny, um, miles and kilometers in the States are so different to an Ireland. We forget how twisty, tiny our roads are compared, you know, you could take the longest stretch of motorway here and it wouldn't be even, you know, a fraction. Like I, I've, um, my sister, uh, Mary, Mary Sheridan, she's a she's a really good artist and she painted a picture for me, which is literally me on the road to nowhere. You are looking, you're on the bike and you're looking into the distance. You can see mountains in the distance, but you can't see where the road finishes because you are literally traveling on you're, you're in a movie set. Yeah. Every single turn is from a movie. It's from part of your childhood. And um, the, the, the fact that a motorcycle heightens your awareness of everything around you by at least a multiple of five compared to a car, you can happily learn to ride a motorcycle and ride one in the States without the same sort of fear you'd have here yeah. of a damp day trying to make your way through Dublin. Now, that said, you can make your way through Dublin on a damp day if you've got the proper training. That's why I only train myself on a, on a, on a, on a road bike when I had Tony Toner to teach me. There's a lot of advanced motorcyclists out there who will do training with people. People forget that, you know, you don't just drive and you don't ride your motorcycle just to pass your test. You've got to treat it as riding or driving for life. Yeah. And if you learn those systems, and that's why... You know, I think it should every school kid should be able to leave school with a driver's license. They should be taught from the get go the correct way to control a machine, lane discipline, how to uh, how to anticipate, how to read the road ahead. All of these driving skills teach them while, while they're young. But if you ever were thinking of a road trip and saying, well, look, here's a project. I'm going to actually learn to ride a motorcycle, get my license, going to go over to the States. You can hire a Harley in Chicago. And you can ride it um, uh, to L.A. and you can leave it in L.A. and fly back. Um, but you will have an absolute time of your life so connected to the elements. And the nice thing with Route 66 is it takes you off the interstate. And you realize that interstates, Walmart, that whole culture, that killed so much of little and middle America. Mm. And you'll, you'll ride through places where you'll say, if I lived here, there's no way I could ever be anything other than a giant flag-waving Republican uh, singing my heart out to country music because it makes absolute total sense in that part of the world. I mean, we stopped one time to give a guy, he was having truck trouble with his, with his uh, he literally his hand dog in the back of the truck, right, an old red Ford pickup truck. And he had a gun rack and there was three rifles on the gun rack, as you do. And we pulled up and luckily we were sort of waving flags and stuff. So he wasn't sort of getting ready to shoot us or anything. And we had a chat with him and then we gave him a push start. So they were all there in a parking area. We all just pushed this guy after having a chat with him and off he went. And the world he lived in was probably within a 50 mile radius of a shack. Um, and outside that shack, you'd have the biggest Star Spangled Banner flag flying. You'd have bring the veterans home. You'd have all of these sort of signs. Uh, people wearing John Deere baseball caps. They've got a hound dog. They've got the gun. That's their life. Um, so you get a really privileged view of all of these little spots. You get to go to the ghost towns that became ghost towns because the interstate came along and Walmart uh, didn't get planning permission in that town. So they just moved a little bit further out of the town and they killed the town off. Wow. And you get the inside track from people. You get to visit places, graveyards full of, of uh, migrant workers um, that were there who were building the roads but all of these little places you get to interact and live the history of the place and it really is a, a spectacular life experience to do and I'd be, I'd be forever uh, indebted to, to Tony Toner for getting me involved and, and Derek Keenan again in, in RT who asked me to direct the documentary the first time around and that kind of led to me doing a lot of uh, road trips and other type of TV documentaries and I've, I've travelled around Norway and up to the Arctic Circle and, and North Cape and various places but motorcycles definitely have you have a great connection but the next best thing is a uh, is a convertible um, and you really can go wrong and 
if you are going to do a convertible through the desert, I mean, the Mojave Desert, I was really glad of having the option of cooled seats. You can have heated <laughs> seats, but cooled seats are good. Because at one stage I got out to film at the at this famous place. Um, it's a sign you'll see on Sky TV, you know, you see this separate as a big sort of like filling station, desolate de filling station with Roy's written on it. And uh, that's a tiny little place with three people living in that town. But I stopped to film a whole lot of, uh, of the cars pulling into pulling in to take a break. And uh, when I stepped back into the car, I realized my, my right foot felt a bit gooey. The sole of my shoe had melted on the road. Oh. It was that hot. The sole of my wow. shoe had actually melted and the glue had just dissolved. Um, wow. uh, so, yeah, so cool seat and uh, in full sun, it is nice to be able to pull the top up, even though it looks very cool, but it's down all yeah, the time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, a convertible Dara across the States. Uh, it's got you written all over. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. That's that, I, I won't. Do you know what? I'm, I I haven't started on a bucket list yet because I I'm kind of holding on, holding on a bit, saying no, I'm not ready to write a bucket list. That's just something I want to yeah. do. But again, it's uh, one of those things. Is is round up mates because again, the lovely thing with the car is you can share the driving, or one can do yeah. all the driving. One can just uh, sit back and soak up, um, soak up the scenery, and uh, it's just epic. And again, it's like the stories from the road that day. That's the the manner from heaven that evening. You're just you're just you've got so many tales to tell and interactions. And if you take the time to stop and talk to to the range of people you'll meet, um, it really is astonishing. You meet some remarkable people and great stories. Um, and that's the thing, because it's a journey. And it's same with you know it's same with motor and career or anything else and, and vehicles. It's always it's perpetual. You just keep moving on. Keep keep rolling. Man, and it, it just makes me think of Ken Kesey and your man Wolf, uh, Further, Written on the Bus, uh, Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, all of that. Um, man, you're making me want to connect with Route 66. Listen, <laughs> Michael Sheridan, uh, right, folks, I'm going to say a sign-off to Michael Sheridan. I'm going to ask him to hold on line to all of you who are listening to Drive Talking. Hopefully, we've doubled our figures to at least four. And if you could go tell your mates, tell them to watch it. Do you know what? personal goal i'm looking forward to that day where we wind up in the top 200 podcasts for a week so tell your mates share the news uh put it out on twitter twitter feed facebook whatever it is do it please thank you very much um okay folks we'll see you again next week with paddy coming michael sheridan hold the line for one minute